I pray 25 years from now, you still have the fire burning. I pray 50 years from now, you still have the fire burning. And when you get into heaven, you finally see the source of the fire and say, God, I've been waiting my whole life to come here. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We've been in a series that we are concluding today called The Presence Driven Life. And the the concept for this series is, is the fact that God has given us spiritual elements as weapons of warfare. We know that our life isn't just natural or physical, it's supernatural and it's spiritual. And there is a battle for your soul, there's a battle for your family, you are in a spiritual battle. Do I want you to know God has not sent you out with no equipment, no backup, no resources. He has given you weapons of war. And, and as, I, as I, I conceived of this, this series, I felt like God showed me a shot of all the weapons that he has given us. Almost like that shot, you know, in a John Wick movie when he lays out the guns for the night, all the weapons he will need from the above. I, I felt like I saw that And I felt like God showed me all of the different items that that he has given us to win the war that's on for our life. God gave you oil for healing, for unity, for deliverance. He gave you water for deliverance, for washing, for cleansing. He gave you word for renewal, for changing your mind, renewing your mind and patterns. The cross of salvation. He's given you the body and the blood that will come to redeem you and cancel any curse of your past or sin. And today, I want to speak to you about the altar, the fire on the altar. These are symbols, but they are significant. These are elements, but they have spiritual authority. And I believe when you begin to use these things, you can begin to conquer in your life. Amen? I hope you turn into John Wick of the spiritual world, unstoppable. And if you would notice these symbols, this is actually our order of service every single Sunday. We start with worship, which is where the oil begins to descend. We, we see and participate in baptism and hear their story and see deliverance. We come to the word of God during the word of God. We end the word always with salvation, a call to repentance, to come to Jesus. We take communion together. And then finally, every single Sunday, the altar is open where the fire of God rests and you can come and be reconsecrated unto Jesus Christ. I want you to know every single Sunday, you're getting armed and ready for the week ahead. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And today, I want to talk to you about the fire. I want to speak to you about the fire that rests on the altar. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13, one simple verse, says, Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. Say continually. It shall not go out. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar. It must not go out. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Reignite our hearts and our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that your fire descends, your presence fills the room, that we hear from you, God. Let it not be my words, but your words, God. And will you come, will you speak to us, and God, make us more like you. Pray forgiveness fills the room, grace fills the room, redemption fills the room, that we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. The fire on the altar. I want you to know that the fire of the Holy Spirit will consecrate 
the heart of every Christian. The purpose and the work of the fire of the Holy Spirit is the consecration of the human heart. And my hope is that at this church, the presence that is on the altar in the house will reignite your heart. Every single Sunday, we open the altar and there is a presence that rests at the altar. I believe the presence of God rests everywhere. But I know that there are some places where the presence resides, where it's just powerful, where you walk down and where someone's ready to pray with you and it is just mighty. I can't fully explain it, but it is a supernatural occurring. I remember I was at one church with Pastor Nate when we were younger and we were at this conference and we were in the back and we had a great worship session. But at the end we said, hey, let's go down to the altar. Well, all right, let's go. And the, the, the altar was packed. It was filled with people desiring to receive a touch from the Holy Spirit. But as we walked towards the altar, it was like we were walking deeper and deeper into like a sludge. Our legs got heavier. Our hearts started shaking. Our hands, we made it about five rows. That's as close as we could get. Five rows away from the altar when we were on the ground. And what was it? It was just a supernatural presence that was resting on the place with the heart of the people. I want you to please hear me. There is something about the altar of God that will reignite the altar of your heart. And the problem is that sometimes our heart needs a reignition. It can grow cold. It can, it, the, the pilot light can go off. It can go dark. And the scary thing is, the scary thing is your heart can grow cold to the things of God while remaining hot to other things in life. You can still be filled with passion for sports, still be filled with passion for politics, news, finance. You can even still be passionate about religion and yet having your heart growing cold to the things of God. You could be at the church, you could be in a Christian family, you could be around Christians, but the pilot light has gone out. And I've seen it happen before, where you look in someone's eyes and you say, what? what's missing? But the good news is, I've also seen that pilot, pilot light be sparked again. And one of the primary places it gets sparked is at the altar in a moment of prayer, where you come in maybe icy cold, you come in desperate, you call, come in backslidden, you come in, you come in with a need to repent. But when you confess and pray, that light gets sparked again, and you walk away with a fire that begins to burn. The fire must be continually burning on the altar. It must not go out. Today, I believe that you need fresh fire. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need fresh fire. <clears throat> well, how does the fire of God work? How does the fire come on God's people? The fire of consecration. Well, we find it all throughout the Bible. We see the fire on the burning bush with Moses. We see the fire come down on the altar with Elijah. But I want to focus in on one specific uh, aspect of the Old Testament that I believe has ramifications today. And that is when the fire comes to consecrate the temple of God for the worship of God. You know that David's desire was a house of the Lord. He loved the house of the Lord. He had plans for the house of the Lord, but God says, you're not the one to build it. Your son is going to build it. So he gave Solomon everything he would need. And when Solomon began his rule, he built an, a 
An incredible temple, absolutely stunning. The woodwork, the craftsmen, the artists that he gathered from all over the nation. He inlaid everything with gold and marble and cedars of Lebanon. This temple was absolutely stunning. Took years to create. And then came the day for consecration. Solomon got, gathered all of his officials, the nobles, the scribes, and all of the people and he prayed a prayer of consecration and he dedicated the temple. And at the fulfillment of his prayer, the Bible says this, that fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The fire came down and the glory filled the temple. And this was a sign that God would now dwell amongst his people in this temple. Because the truth is, God dwells in what is dedicated to him. Catch that. God is willing to dwell in. Though he's immense, formed the galaxies, bigger than the universe, outside of time, he chooses to rest within a particle of a particle of his, of his creation. He chooses to come alongside those that do not deserve even the sight of his eyes. But his desire is relationship. Jesus says, I no longer just call you servants, I call you friends. It has always been God's desire to rest with his people. But in this time in the Old Testament, before Jesus, man had to get to God had to go to the place where God resided in this temple. And in this temple, there was an altar. And when you came, you better bring a sacrifice. You better bring something that would cost you. And that was the way that you got peace with God. That's the way you became righteous by God. Forgiven, forgiveness. All of that happened in this temple structure. A temple, an altar, and a sacrifice. And during festivals and seasons, you had to go. And if you were far from Jerusalem, tough luck because that's where God was, and you had to come to him, he was not coming to you. But God had a greater plan. God had a better way. And God sends John the Baptist to proclaim the new plan. And John says, I baptize in water, but one who is coming who is mightier than I, and he's got a new way. And the Bible says that he will baptize you, he will consecrate you, he will dedicate you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. What's the promise? The promise is that a new temple is coming. A new way is coming. A new infilling is coming. A new covenant is coming. So the work of Christ was to consecrate you into a new covenant with the Holy Spirit. And what's the sign? It's fire. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he tells his disciples, don't do anything until you've got the fire. Don't do anything until you've got the Spirit. Because anything you try to do outside of the Holy Spirit is unworthy of God. So wait until I arrive. Because I'm going to send a helper and you need the help. They gathered together and they were in prayer. And we read in one of the greatest moments of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, that they were, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire 
appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This proves that the Spirit of God doesn't just fill places. He fills people. He came into the place. There's something powerful about the place. But he indwelled in the people. David was filled with the Spirit. Joshua was filled with the Spirit. Joseph was filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit. These early believers, we don't even know their names. Were they kings? Were they prophets? Were they special? No, they were children of the Most High God. And if they receive the Spirit, you can be filled with the Spirit. And I'll go one further. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. So now, your body is the new temple. Your heart is the new altar. And you, Paul says, are a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. Look at what he says to the Corinthians. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? No longer do you have to go to Jerusalem. No longer do you have to go to a place built by human hands. God's whole plan was that his spirit would walk with you, would be with you, would dwell within you, would guide you and direct you and fulfill you. You are the new temple and God's spirit dwells within you. And if you are consecrated to him, he will dwell in you. Is your heart consecrated to the Lord? Is your heart given over to God? Have you opened the door and said, God, this is yours. This place is yours. Come and fill my life. And if you do that, God is faithful. He not only will save you, he'll, he'll, he'll put his spirit in you. But make no mistake, he does ask something of you. It's not just one prayer and you move on. There's an engagement on your side. There's responsibility on your side. There's something that God is going to ask you to do. He says, I'll be faithful. Fire from heaven will come upon you. I will save your life that you could not save and really doesn't deserve to be saved, but I will save it. And I will guide you and I'll walk with you and I'll live with you, but here's what you have to do. The Bible says the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Well, what's the altar? It's your heart. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continually. Not Sunday to Sunday, not season to season, not a year to year. Not, not right before you die or when you were baptized when you were 12 or when you were a baby. No, the fire must be, be continually. Every day, it must not go out. So this shows that the Holy Spirit resides within you only at your continual invitation. Like, you got you to understand, it's almost like, like God gave you the your body, but you are, you are the owner. You are the landlord of your body. And, and Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, but you have to open the door and say, come in. And this is why we pray, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit. And some people say, why would you pray that? Why would you pray that? Weren't you saved? Didn't you pray one time? Yeah, but I need to be saved. And then I need to be saved every day. Like, like I, I need to receive salvation 
and then I need continual salvation. Thank you for saving me when I get to heaven, but God, I need salvation today. I need salvation in my mind, in my heart, in my reactions, in my emotions. You need salvation everywhere. And so that's why you pray, Holy Spirit, come again. My mind's drifted, come again. I unlock the door of my mind. I don't want my thought patterns to grow bitter or cold. I don't want the, the fire to go out. Come again, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit resides only at the continual invitation of the Christian. And the reality is you can open yourself to the Holy Spirit or you can close yourself to the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees closed themselves to the Holy Spirit. They knew all the word. They had the temple. They had the sacrifice. They had the lamb in front of them. The word made flesh. Jesus arrived, and yet they could not receive him. Why? They were closed off to him. And you know, Jesus even warns them. He says, be very careful. He says, you can reject me and you can mock me, but do not reject and mock the Holy Spirit. That's the only unforgivable sin. When you reject and you deny and you mock the Holy Spirit, that's the only sin that cannot be forgiven. He's telling the Pharisees, and you're close. You're very close. And you say, well, why is, that un why is that the only unforgivable sin? And maybe you feel like I'm worried that I've committed that sin. Well, the, uh, the reason that's an unforgivable sin is because if you close yourself off to the Holy Spirit, you close yourself off to the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts. You don't even know what's sin without the Holy Spirit. You don't even know what's wrong without the Holy Spirit. You can't even repent unless the Holy Spirit helps you repent. And so Jesus says, you want to stay open to the Holy Spirit because he will lead you. But if you continually deny and mock and reject and turn off, you will be on your own. Not only will you have a hard heart, it leads towards death because the Spirit convicts, the convicted repent, the repentant are the ones that are restored, but you need the Spirit. So the question we have is then, Lord, how do I keep the fire burning? How do I keep my heart lit? How do I keep my mind close to the source? How do I keep the fire burning? When I was younger, my dad installed a wood stove in our house. And uh, I became the primary caretaker of the wood stove. <laughs> I was excited until I learned the responsibility. And uh, I don't know if any of you have, um, have any, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? I should just move on. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this, but you know, they talk about wood, that it warms you three times when you, uh, when you cut it, when you stack it, and when you, uh, when you burn it. And, and, and it, takes, it takes responsibility, it takes effort, it takes engagement to keep that fire burning. Now what it does for the home is absolutely amazing, but y you, you've got to do some things as well. And, and here's, here's the truth about the fire that's on your heart. You must feed the fire. Every morning I had to get up and I had to feed that wood stove. Every evening I had to feed that wood stove because it's so much easier to maintain a fire than start a new one. So much easier. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's absolutely possible. But can I tell you, it's way easier to keep the fire burning than make a new fire. And the reality is, if you want to keep the fire burning, stay close to the Lord, sensitive to his voice, you got to get up and you must feed the fire. No one else can feed your fire. Nobody else. This one is on you. You must feed the fire. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12, every morning 
The priest is to add firewood. And we know now that you are the priest of your home. You are the priest of your body. And being the priest, you are responsible for the fire burning in your house and in your heart. Can I tell you? Not your spouse. There's no secondhand smoke when it comes to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Not your spouse. Those numbers don't count for you. I was talking to some of my friends earlier, and we were, were talking about like, how dedicated our wives are in reading the Bible. And like, they're on version. They've, they've read the Bible like three times this year. And they, they're, like, they're writing, they've got planners, and they've got journals, and they've got like, highlighters, you know, multicolored, and they've got tabs and Bible covers with zips. And we're like, look at these people. As good as that is, that doesn't keep your fire burning. You need to get alone with God yourself. You're the priest of your home. And, 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 and can I go one further? It's not your pastor's job to feed your fire. Because if it's just your pastor's job, then you're only getting getting the fire lit once a week. And no wonder you barely drag, now you walk out. But then you drag, now you walk out. But, but that, that's not a relationship. That's something else, that's some other cycle, it's not a relationship. And, 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 and I'm here to tell you today the hard news that God puts it on you. You gotta keep the fire burning. You know, you've got to learn to feed yourself. You've got, to, you've got to be able to pick up your own word. You've got to be able to listen to your own spirit. And I'll try and help. I'll, I'm going to try and resource you. I'll try and give you all, all, all that I can. I'll put the Cheerios right out before you, but you've got to grab the Cheerios. Because <laughs> my one-year-old can feed themselves with her little lobster claw. claw. You can feed yourself. And even more than that, it's your responsibility to feed yourself and keep the fire burning. The priests are to add firewood, which is fuel. Well, what fuels the fire of the Holy Spirit? What are the logs that you need to make sure you keep throwing on to that fire so that there can be light, so that there can be hope, so that there can be heat within your life? I'm gonna give you three simple ones that I believe when you keep these things in your, in your daily feeding, that, that your fire will not go out. And there, 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 there's these three right here. The first is meditating on the word. The second source of fuel is moments of worship. And the third is meaningful prayer. Now, I know those are simple, but they are sustainable. They are sustainable. And the goal is to sustain the fire. Like, I hope it grows hotter, but that's not the goal. The goal is to keep it going. And I think sometimes Christians can say, but I need, I need it to grow. I need, I need a revelation. I need, I need the, grow to, the, the, the fire to grow hotter. I, I need something wild. But the reality is, no, you need today, God. And tomorrow, God. And the day after, God. You need sustenance in the fire of your heart. And simple means sustainable. And this is how God's designed it, by the way. He hasn't made it so complicated that you need to know Latin. He hasn't made it so complicated that you need to fast for 40 days and eat locusts. He hasn't made it so complicated that only the super holy can do this. You can do this. And I'd add, you can do this every day. You can work this into your schedule, work this into your routine, work this into your cal calendar, work it into your habits. Meditating on the word, moments of worship, 
and meaningful prayer. Simple is sustainable. I mean, think of it this way. Sleep is simple, but it sustains your life, sustains your body. Walking is simple, but it sustains your health. Breathing is simple, but it sustains living. Prayer is simple, but it sustains your spirit. And when you begin to act in those things, the fire that you need on the inside of you will not go out. And if you would note on that verse, it says the priest should add fire to the uh, firewood to the fire. But when is he supposed to do it? Every morning. Every morning. You wish that part wasn't in the verse. I know it. <laughs> Say, how about mid-afternoon? But my question for you is, do you have a moment in your morning for the Almighty? Jesus modeled this. He had the greatest ministry that anyone's ever seen with the most impact on planet Earth. But over and over, you'll see the Bible says Jesus got up and he went to a, a, a place of solitude, seclusion, to pray. What was he modeling? He was modeling that if you're going to release some fire and some spirit, that you need to get lit in the morning. Don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> some of you are like... We have some crews specifically for you. We'll be starting in February. John Bunyan says this. He says, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Benny Hinn says, good morning, Holy Spirit. There should be a portion of your morning that is dedicated solely to God. And it does not have to be complex or complicated. It needs to be simple and it needs to be sustainable. I use a, an app called Glorify. It's an absolutely amazing app. So I know some of you maybe use it as well. It's stunning, it's five minutes. It just, it gives you a quote, it gives you a, a, something to read from the word, to, to meditate on, a devotional, and then it just gives you a, a moment to reflect and to pray. I use it every single day. Now that's not the only thing I use, but that is some of the kindling that I use on my fire every single day so that I make sure I start with God because the truth is if you start your day with God, God will sustain you the rest of the day. But if you start without God, then you are on your own. There's something very powerful, and please hear me, I'm not saying this in a legalistic way. I'm not saying like you need to because I, I, I feel like sometimes people hear like every morning and if you miss morning you're like good God <laughs> but I'm saying I'm saying for the life of your spirit find a rhythm early on and sometimes sometimes and I, I just want to hit these things sometimes people say like that's right 5 a.m. club we're doing it 5 a.m. club and it's like I'll see you on January 4th then because that's about how long you're going to last four days I think sometimes we take things to extremes and call it spiritual. But can I tell you the most spiritual things? The things that are simple and the things that are sustainable. Five minutes in the morning, you give it to God. As a tithe, God will bless the rest of your day. Can you say amen? Amen. So I guess the final question is, what do you do, though, if the fire goes out? Because there will be times and seasons of great difficulty. Like the world has experienced these last few years. There will be temptations. There will be failures. There will be sin. And, and maybe even there will be times where you have backslidden. And maybe 
you're in the church, but in your heart, you're back where you started. Like Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to where this started. I went through difficulty. I screwed up. Let me, let me pretend none of this ever happened. And, and the enemy would love to keep you in that place. To so say the fire went out. God gave it to you. You screwed it up. It's over. But I, I, I want you to hear this truth that even if the fire goes out, this is not the end. That God in his goodness and his graciousness can reignite the fire again. Every single Sunday at the altar is an opportunity for reignition of the fire in your heart. And one of the, one of the primary tools I've seen God use to reignite hearts is the act of confession. Confession reignites the spark in your spirit. Because see, your confession is your connection between your heart and God's spirit. Your confession is the gateway. If your heart has gotten disconnected, if it's grown, grown cold, if the fire has gone out, it is through your mouth that a spark can begin again. Confession is the connection between your heart and God's throne room, God's spirit, God's answer. And when you begin to confess to God, it's almost like a knife on flint. Sparks begin to fly when you begin to speak. In the beginning, God said, let there be, what was that? That was a spark. That was a spark, that was a fire. That was a burning. So it was out of God's confession, there came fire, there came light. It is out of your confession. And when the fire goes out, you say, well, I'm in darkness. There will only be darkness. But if you can begin to confess, light can begin to come. Your confession is so powerful. And even if, wherever your heart is, begin to speak it to God. For out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. And can I go one further? Heaven hears. Heaven hears. Speech is very supernatural. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. You can sense it. You know? Like, do you remember the time Peter said something that was off? And Jesus called it. He said, I'm not going to listen to you, Satan. Yeah. And he said, well, that wasn't Satan. That was Peter. Yeah, Peter said it, but it was mixed, mingled with the spirit of Satan. Right. Have, you ever, have you ever said something and someone, someone says, that doesn't sound like you? That doesn't sound like you. Well, what are they sensing? They're sensing that there's another spirit involved here. Because I know your spirit. And that's not what it sounds like. It might be the same tone, might be the same lips, might be the same words, but there's a different attitude. There's a different vibe. Or maybe they'll say, hey, who have you been talking to? Because something about what they are saying is mingling with your spirit. There's something very powerful in the exchange. There's something very powerful when you say, hey, I agree good point. Speech is spiritual, but you can use that truth to reignite your spirit back to Christ. David knew this, so he speaks to himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I know I don't feel like it, 
I know the darkness has come, but I'm speaking to myself because I'm trying to open the connection between me and God. The word says that God resides on the praises of his people. In other words, it takes praise to build the ladder that the spirit can descend. You've got to use the power of your confession because it will initiate a lifestyle of consecration. When St. Augustine wrote the Christian classic, of his life, first Western autobiography ever written, uh, a, a book that has changed the direction of Christianity forever. What did he title it? But Confessions. And he used that concept, that word confession, multiple times when he spoke about his life and his God. And he used it in three senses. When he spoke about confessions, he used it to admit his sin, to state his belief, and to proclaim praise to God. That's three things you can do with the power of your confession. I want to examine two of them very quickly. Two categories of your confession that can relight the fire in your life. Two categories, sin and salvation. When you begin to confess your sin and when you confess your salvation, it will reignite the spirit of your heart. See, salvation is God's continual effort in your life. Salvation is God coming back and he's beginning to reignite your life. He's working on you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. In fact, there's a story after the resurrection of Jesus where there were two disciples. They were walking on the road to Emmaus. They were confused by what was going on. They saw Jesus crucified. They knew he had died, and yet they were hearing reports from other Christians that his body wasn't in the tomb. And they had hoped that he was the Messiah, but they were unsure. And when they're walking away from Jerusalem, suddenly... Jesus appears to them, but they didn't even recognize him. And if you know the story, Jesus says, tell me what's going on. And they say, you must be out of it. You're the only one who doesn't know what's happening. We were hoping for a Messiah, but he died. And Jesus said, if only you knew the scriptures. And he began to open up the word of God, beginning in Moses, going through the prophets, finally leading to himself. And he showed that all of Scripture was all about him. All about Jesus. The temple wasn't about the temple. It was about Jesus and what he was coming to do. And they, they were shocked at his words. When they got to their home, they invited him, please, come and stay with us. And the Bible says, when he broke the bread, they recognized him because he is the bread of life. And he says, when you break this bread, remember me. It's, it's when he broke the bread they remembered. And he disappeared in that moment. And they looked at each other and they said this powerful phrase. It's found in the book of Luke. They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? There's something very powerful about your confession of salvation. The word of God fans the flame of the spirit. And stories stir the embers. You gotta get some people around you that you're working on the same path in a similar direction. And make no mistake, when you get some of those people, maybe it's in your crew, maybe it's your family, maybe it's someone that, that, that brought you to church, but you need to get some people that you're walking in the similar direction. And your confession begins to be the word of God. Scripture. Stories. 
I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversation with some guys and we'll talk about you know, all different things, but when we start talking about Jesus, it's like all of a sudden the room starts getting seven times hotter. And they've got a story, and I, you, you, you got a story. Well, hear about this story. Well, you are, have you heard about that story? And all of a sudden, there's a stirring. There's a breathing. And the fire starts growing in our hearts. And you say, well, was worship playing? Was there, was there a sermon present? No, no, we were just confessing salvation. And I hope that that's you. And I hope that you have some friends around you that are fire starters. Hope you got some people around you that don't douse the flame of your life, mock it, or refuse to understand it. I hope you don't just have people that are negative about everything or nihilistic as if everything's horrible and that's the way of life. I hope you got some people around you that know how to speak hope, that know how to speak faith, that know how to speak future, that know the Word of God. And I would encourage you, you be the one that leads the way. Begin to tell people your thoughts about God, especially those, especially those that are desiring, that, that are walking in a similar direction of you. Don't, don't be ashamed that you have some thoughts, some questions. Maybe if you get a revelation, you say, hey, look at what God just showed me out of this verse. I was texting a friend last night and uh, telling him I'm praying for his church uh, on Sunday morning. And then, and then I, I, I texted him some parts of my sermon, not because I'm trying to preach at him, but because I'm blown away by what God showed me, not myself. And I'm just texting because I'm saying, look at this. And I hope when I, when I speak, there's a little bit of fire that gets on him. And I was telling him, man, look how awesome it is that it's so simple to keep the fire burning. And this is, this is a revelation for me, but, but I, I, have to, I have to give myself permission to speak about it. If you have a dream, speak about it. And give others the opportunity to reciprocate. Because maybe some, some people in your life would talk back about their salvation if you just opened the door for it. Yeah, and now all of a sudden you find some people that are walking together and your hearts are burning within you. And you say, what is this? It's your confession. And it's salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's think about how we can stir each other's hearts up. You know, I, I love uh, the show, The Chosen. I'm throwing out apps and shows all day today here. But you know, it starts tonight, Chosen comes out tonight. I think it's phenomenal. I love that show. I absolutely love it. Because, because it, it just gives me another thing to talk about, another way to view scripture, I know that the show's not scripture. I got my own scripture. I'm not a child. I don't need the show to be scripture. And people are like, well, did Jesus exactly say that? I, I know what he said. I got it in red. <laughs> like, come on, dude. <laughs> Get off YouTube. <laughs> but, but it's just another thing that keeps the fire burning. There are some things that douse the fire. There's some things that pour water on the fire. Those are the things I want to excise from my life, and I want, to, I want to get more kindling of the things that burns the fire brighter. It starts with your confession. Confession of salvation, and also your confession of sin. Sin is where you fall short of God's standard. And this is what James tells us to do when we screw up, when we fail, when we fall short. He says this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess. Confess your sins to one another 
and pray for one another that you may be healed. So confession can begin the process towards healing. That's how powerful it can be. And we know that sin is a spiritual sickness that festers and grows in darkness. And light is the great antidote. So when you begin to confess, you bring it out into the light. This thing can get dealt with and you can be healed. The Bible says, don't try and hold that door, that, that, that storage room, that, that closet, as if it's not filled with a bunch of junk. Unlock it, let it out to some people that you trust that won't mock you, laugh at you, judge you, but will pray with you. And now the healing process begins. Every single Sunday here at the altar, that, this is what happens. The altar is a place for confession and for prayer. The altar is a place where the presence of God resides. And when you come down to this altar, you can get reignited. And so I would encourage you today and every Sunday that you need to come to the altar. If you're backsliding, come to the altar. If you're questioning, come to the altar. If you're filled with fear, come to the altar. If you don't know what direction to take, come to the altar. Please don't wait until the fire goes out to come to the altar. If it's lessening, come to the altar. If you're filled with doubt, come to the altar because you will find someone there that will pray with you and will agree with you and will confess good things with you and over for you. And I'm telling you, I have seen time and time again, people come to the altar with no light. But after we pray specifically in areas of their life, even if the area hasn't changed yet, the fire has turned on and they walk away differently because they confessed and they prayed and God begins. It's powerful. And it's for you. And if, if the candle of your life has gone out, you gotta get closer to one that still has the source, still has the fire. Put those things together, come to somebody that still's got some faith and say, will you help reignite my heart? Let's pray together. And I, will, I believe that at the altar of this house, your heart will be reignited. And I believe when that happens, that the fire of the Holy Spirit will begin to consecrate your heart to himself, that the fire will be burning on the altar and that it will not go out. I pray 10 years from now, you still have the fire burning. I pray 25 years from now, you still have the fire burning. I pray 50 years from now, you still have the fire burning. And when you get into heaven, you finally see the source of the fire and say, God, I've been waiting my whole life to come here. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you wanna learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.